0: And we are underway. Hibbs the boat. Files ahead. Touchdown! John Moten. There's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch. Touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy. Great side of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. The Wildcats win. Believable. It's Collegiately Speaking. Join Dave Ennett and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over the Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. I'm Dave Ennett, joined by former Northwestern Wildcat quarterback Dan Persa. We're with you each week to take a look at Northwestern's last game and look ahead to their next one. We'll also visit in just a little bit with Northwestern's starting left tackle, Rashawn Slater. Another tough day for the Wildcats. Seems like a bit of a broken record here, Dan Persa, but again, this week, a 20 to nothing loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes, a team Northwestern had beaten three years in a row. They came into Ryan Field where they haven't had a great deal of success of late, and they uh, Pitched a shutout there. The Wildcats shut out for the first time since 2015. The offensive struggles aren't new. What was new this week was that they weren't able to get any points on the board and and really had a tough time getting the ball into Iowa territory.
1: I was going to say I don't think they even got in the red zone, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe so. And like you said, it, it was kind of more of the same from from the offense with you know lack of big plays, lack of um, any. Air assault at all. Um, another frustrating game to watch, and I think you know Iowa's third grade defense. You can't discount that, um, but to not spend any time in the red zone and not even come close to scoring points is is really frustrating. I think you can kind of see, you know, we we've heard here and there that the offensive and defensive are, are they're completely different units, and everybody has to do their own job. But um, at least on offense, you can definitely see some frustration from from the guys on the outside, the receivers and. And I think on defense as well, um, you're starting to see, you know, uncharacteristic plays when you're on the field the whole time from from this defense and it's just because they're not getting any help and support and they look out there and they know they have to they have to pitch a shut pretty much pitch a shutout to win. Uh that's that's a tough situation to be in and and when you have that mindset, you take risks or make plays that you wouldn't otherwise make and those lead to mistakes. So I think, you know, I was a good team. You, you can't discount that, but um, you know it's still a winnable game where Northwestern kind of comes out and and does some uncharacteristic things that are uncharacteristic of themselves and falls in their face. Uh, you know, at halftime, you're out on the field
0: with the 2009 Outback Bowl team being honored on the 10th year of uh, reunion of of that team that uh, certainly was able to score a lot of points. Certainly had a high powered offense on that squad. Uh, so I, so I look back at. At your career, I don't remember a year quite like what they're enduring right now, where you have the offense really spinning its wheels and the defense operating well enough to win football games for you.
1: Yeah, I think the the defense, you know, outside of a couple of plays, is playing at a championship level. They're they're playing great. And to your earlier point, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think we ever we ever really had a situation where. You know, we, we just couldn't move the ball. It was always, hey, you know, we got to score 28, 30 points. I think, you know, 2009, we actually had a really – and 2008, we had really good defenses. So, you know, I think our average was probably somewhere between 25 and 35 points. But that's still, you know, high enough to to win eight or nine games and and be playing at a close to a championship level. I, I just think – the difference is, is obvious. It's, you know, you don't have someone at the quarterback position that season that really knows what they're doing. And you don't have an offensive play, play caller that seems to be aggressive enough or seems to trust the quarterback enough to call the plays that we called, you know, from 08 to 11, um, to really open these guys up. And, and, you know, to be fair, we had some really talented guys on offense, um, during that time. Not to say they don't have talent now. But they certainly haven't been able to show it because of the lack of execution, lack of quarterback play, the lack of play calling. It's, it's kind of everything's locking each other up. I think
0: that Outback Bowl game, uh, Mike Kafka threw five touchdown passes, uh, threw the ball like 78 times. If yeah. I recall correctly,
1: set a bowl record for pass attempts. It was a blast. I, you know, I didn't. I played a little bit on on special teams and during that last play, but I mean, it was like watching uh, a video game out there. I think right. I can't remember if he had five touchdowns and four interceptions or four touchdowns and uh, five interceptions. Five and five. Was but, it five and five? Yeah. But yeah. but see, here is the thing. It looked easy.
0: It looked like right. receivers were open. It looked like the passes were where they're supposed to be. Now right. a couple once in the end zone, I believe the pass was not where it was supposed to be. Right. And got run back the other way, but. Uh, the point is it, it doesn't you watch other teams, it doesn't have to be this hard and right. and that's what you want to see. You want to see this team come out and, and whether it's guys helping Aiden Smith out or whether it's him helping his receivers out, getting getting the ball to them uh on time where it's supposed to be. You just would like to see it kind of be a little easier.
1: Yeah, I think you know it's it's kind of what we've talked about the last couple of weeks on this show and what we've probably talked about for a couple of years. Um it's, it's the, the plays are the same. I think that's, that's what's frustrating. It's the same plays. It's just a different amount of pressure being applied to the defense back then than now because you just don't have the tempo. You don't have the consistency of completions. You don't have guys making runs after the catch. I think, Jeremy Ebert. It was his freshman or sophomore year. He caught the same. I think he had eleven catches, and eight of them were the same play. It was just a a quick five-yard under. And when you're going that fast, and when you're throwing the ball that much, it puts so much pressure on a defense to kind of sit back on Mm -hmm. their heels. It makes things pretty easy, you know. Whether it's bubble screens or short underplays, or or you know the, the deep passes. There's just so much to defend. And right now, you. It's even more shrunk. You you have an inside run. You don't really have much of a bubble game. You know, it's very intermediate throws. You're not really stretching the field vertically. So defenders, and we talked about this with Peters last week, are are kind of playing downhill on these guys, and it makes it makes very rudimentary plays very hard to execute because there's there's little to no margin for error. And I think that's what Aiden's struggling with, and I think that's what why the receivers are frustrated, and I think that's why McCall won't call, you know, everything under the arsenal because there's just there's no comfort level across those three those three groups. And,
0: and let's also clarify uh, another thing that some of the guys at the so-called skilled positions on this team have been have been hurt at different yeah, times this that's year. True. And so Isaiah Bowser was out. Now he's back. Had a real nice game against Ohio State. Yards were a little tougher to get against Iowa Saturday. Uh, Bennett Skoranek's been out most of the season. Leading receiver J.J. Jefferson who is the only player who's caught two touchdown passes this year and, and made a couple catches early in the game against Iowa and then he gets hurt. He's out for that game. He's out again this week. So, so, you've lost some pretty key guys in this offense
1: yeah but i mean the everybody's on scholarship for the most right. part right? right it's like these guys they come to school to, to to play and and there's no shortage of talent i can tell you just from watching practice the talent difference between and no offense to the guys that i played with because they were they were obviously all big 10 and some all americans um but top to bottom the talent's not close to what they have now i mean it's it's through the roof with guys and it's I don't know if that's preparation, but the coach is not getting guys ready or them not having the confidence to make plays, but the, the tools are there. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that's servicing with this team now is, is accountability. Who's being held accountable for this stuff? Is it, is it the, the, the guys is fits holding the, the assistant coaches accountable for not having people prepared? You know, it's, it's a combination of every, of everything. But I think as a former player and as a fan, you want to see more accountability. It's, you know, make a change on the offense, demote somebody on the offensive staff or demote a player just to let, let people know that there are consequences for not performing. Um, And I think that's what people are looking for at this point.
0: All right. We welcome in number 70 of the Wildcats, left tackle Rashawn Slater to collegiately speaking. And Rashawn, let's uh, take a moment here and talk about starting 30 consecutive games. Now I know that streak, uh, was unfortunately snapped earlier this year he had to miss the Nebraska game, but what does it say about durability being able to to line up that many times in succession uh, playing either right tackle or left tackle
2: um, i think I think it 's a sign it 's a reflection of you know how much we invest into ourselves um, waking up before practice every day, spend an hour in the training room before we go to practice and being back in the training room after practice, hot tubs, cold tubs, eating right. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a reflection of all the extra work that we do um, to be able to do that.
0: Were you that kind of a player prior to Northwestern in high school? Uh, did you did you miss much time? Were you a guy who made a point of uh, being there every snap?
2: Uh, uh, no, I really wasn't. Um, I Actually, because my high school has such a small team, I played both ways, and so I was playing almost every snap of the game besides special teams. Um, but back then I had the young body, so I never really had to spend the extra time. Um, but this year especially is when I've started to notice, um, that I need to take better care of my body just because, you know, I'm getting banged up a little more than usual. So really this year has been the year that I really started committing to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Rashawn is from Sugarland, Texas. Uh, now your dad played many years in the NBA. So I'm assuming there is some basketball in your background as well, right? (laughs) yes sir a
2: little bit not too much
0: did you i mean uh, yeah tell us about your game
2: (laughs) i don't know if i have much game right now Uh, when i play with my friends i'm usually that try hard guy get a ton of rebounds probably foul out um but my dad you know he's a great mentor in all every way sports too and he used to have me out in the driveway doing drills with my older brother every single day in the summer and um so that was really the kind of the foundation and I continued to play until middle school. I stopped playing in seventh grade, and he was kind of disappointed, but at the end of the day, I chose football, and he was really happy with that. But I don't really have much of a game these days.
1: <laughs> hey, Rashawn. Dan Persa. Thanks again for for joining us. Going back to kind of what Dave talked about before, you know, with your versatility on the offensive line, you know, what are the major differences between right tackle and left tackle and the other positions you've played? Obviously, you're facing, um, you know, some pretty athletic guys on on both sides, no matter where you're playing, but what are some of the, the major differences, and, and what are the things that are pretty easy and the same?
2: Um, well, I really wouldn't say there's too many differences, to be completely honest. I mean, these days, you know, the best pass rushers play on both sides. I was the only team we play that doesn't really rotate defensive ends. So you're really going against the same guys either way, and it's really just the same technique that's flipped. I know for me, one of the things I had to overcome when I switched from right to left is after playing right for two years, I had some um, – like my hips, my left side hip and my right side of my hips weren't, you know, they weren't loose in the same yeah, way. They're so I was, yeah, they were imbalanced. Yeah, they were imbalanced. So I really had to work on that. Same with my ankles. And other than that, it's just kind of learning how to re-ride a bike. But it's all the same.
0: One of the things uh, Coach Fitzgerald said this week was that he felt you could play any position – on the offensive line. Now there are some guys who who do that, have played different positions. Uh, have you ever wanted to play anywhere else, or has it been tackled for you all the time?
2: Um, you know, I'm just happy to do whatever the team wants. When I came here, I actually expected to play guard, and then the first day of summer, Coach Cush told me, hey, right tackle. <laughs> um, so I really, I really, it doesn't really matter to me where I play, and I'm just happy to help out, and wherever I am, I'm going to Prepare my best to be able to help the team,
1: Rashawn. You had an interesting quote uh, yesterday in in kind of the, the the press conference, and I know besides Dave Ennett, you know not all of us are, are born violent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know you seem like a pretty pretty quiet, you know easygoing guy. You know, how do you flip that switch on Saturdays? You're you're playing against some some. Like I said before, some crazy athletes that have have a mean streak. You know, what are the things you do to, to kind of get yourself going, to get in that mindset to be you know, violent and, and tough during yeah. those games?
2: Um, you know, for a long time, I kind of struggled with that. Like you said, I'm pretty easy easygoing. Um, but at the same time, I love the game of football. and So I was always trying to find ways to get myself mad or angry or get myself going before games, like in high school and early in my college career. And eventually I just came to the point where I realized um, I would rather not be like, uh, you know, you know. I'd rather be more calm. Yeah. So I, I consider myself a pretty calm player. Um, I'm very locked in and focused, but I, I'm not seeing red, per se. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that just helps me in my game stay focused and just focus on my technique more than anything.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a balance. I mean, there's plenty of guys that I know, you know, guys like Al Netter who, who just weren't really, they were great guys and weren't really mean or weren't really crazy physical or not physical is the wrong word, but, you know, um, you know, have a mean streak all over the place. And they were some of the best players ever just because they were consistent. They knew their job. They weren't hitting people after the whistle, but at the same time, guys just couldn't get by them because by them they had, you know, great technique and, and great ability. And when the, when the play was over and when the game was over, they, they were the same when they were on the field and they were, you know, all Big Ten and All-Americans.
2: Definitely, it really depends on the personality, I think, but that really is what works for me. Uh,
0: describe, if you would, Rashawn, the evolution of this offensive line because you have uh, three new starters this year. You switched positions. Uh, Jared, obviously, has become a mainstay at the center position, but but just explain how this line has evolved to where they are today.
2: Um. I, yeah. It all started in the end of last season. Obviously, we lost three starters uh Blake J B and Tommy and we were just looking for looking for guys who were gonna step up. And so we kinda had an idea going to spring ball and what was great is that we had Coach Anderson coming in too and what he wanted to do first thing was establish a new culture. And I don't know how much has gotten out uh but we talk about NWO, Northwestern offensive of lines kind of play on the WWE thing. New World Order. Yeah baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we that's how we see ourselves. Um we're we're outsiders uh, we're tough, we're physical, and we have this identity. And, you know, ever since Spring Ball, that's just what we've been working to ingrain. And I truly think everyone in the room has has really been on the same page about that. Um, so, yeah, Coach Anderson's been great for the culture of the O line. Every, every week for us is really just about how are we going to establish our identity and showcase who we are to the world.
0: All right, it's just the two of us talking here, Rashawn. Which of your teammates does the best impression? Of your offensive line coach Kurt Anderson.
2: Oh, that's a good question. I'd probably say Jared. Oh, really? Yeah, Jared's a good impressions guy. He knows him the best, probably. What's What's
0: he brought to this offensive line, uh, Coach Anderson?
2: Uh, like I said, he just he really came in at a time where you know guys were kind of wondering what was going on as far as the new coach, new stars had to step up, and he kind of just came in and solidified us and said look, whatever we do, we're going to be successful. And he helped establish a culture where he says the expectation is on the position. So, for example, when I was out versus Nebraska, um, the expectation is on the position. So whoever the backup left tackle, in that case, Gunnar switched over and Ethan played right tackle. Right. Um, That doesn't mean just because I'm out that the level of our play goes down. So he really got everyone on the same page that even if you're not a starter, you prepare like a starter. So you're always able to contribute and maintain our identity.
0: And that seems to have helped, too, when Gunner, last few games, had to come out for a snap here and there. And then we've seen Ethan Wiedeker there moving into the lineup periodically over the last couple of games. He looks like a guy who's getting more and more comfortable when he gets out there.
2: Absolutely. I'm really proud of Ethan. He had a great camp, great offseason. He stepped up big time. All
0: right. Before we let you go, we're visiting with Northwestern left tackle Rashawn Slater how do you get this offense going? What what needs to happen this week against Indiana?
2: It all starts with our preparation. I thought we had a great practice today, and we just got to continue to you know our know why. And for us right now, that's sending out the seniors as champions in a bowl game. So every day we just got to attack the process, and we'll be good to go. Rashawn,
0: we appreciate your time. Best of luck this week in Bloomington and uh, the rest of the season.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me.
0: right, great visiting with Rashawn Slater. Got a bright future in front of him, no doubt, uh, whether it's uh, on the football field on Sundays or uh, whatever field he pursues. Very bright guy and obviously on his way to a terrific career as a third-year starter on the offensive line at Northwestern and a guy that Pat Fitzgerald says is playing as well as anybody right now uh, and playing the left tackle spot. So this week, Indiana, a night game in Bloomington. Uh, 6 o'clock kickoff Central Time Saturday night. Dan, you and I both had a chance to see Indiana against Nebraska this past week, and uh, that was a huge win. Indiana becomes bowl eligible, and they did it impressively, too. They not only scored to take the lead, but then they put it in the end zone again, gave themselves a little bit of breathing room late against Nebraska, which, as we know, maybe doesn't have all their weapons right now, but... Uh, playing at Memorial Stadium. It's first time they had played there as a Big Ten member. Uh first time Indiana had gone there since Nebraska's coming to the Big Ten. Huge win for them and they have to be feeling really good going home and hosting a northwestern squad that clearly is down.
1: Yeah, I think Indiana's been a team that, you know, they they've been right there in the past couple years, right? They they haven't necessarily had the best record in the world. Um they're in the the Big Ten East, which is is very tough uh division in, in all of co- or one of the toughest divisions in all of college football. Um they've they've had a talented offense the past four or five or even you know ten years. Uh the defense has has come along. But I think, you know, you when you watch Tom Allen coach, um, he he's just a guy that that you root for. Uh, you see him in, in post game. You see him, you know, getting emotional. He about got his really players. emotional after the game. Yeah, it's cool. Game. It's it's you know he understands how hard these players have worked and they've been you know just banging away for so long and they haven't really struck struck oil yet. And it seems like this season things are really coming together for him. So you got to be happy for for a coach and and players like that, especially when you're you know you're Indiana. It's a, you're a football team at a basketball school, and I think they've really got a ton of momentum. Uh, and they're an impressive team. I think you know Peyton Ramsey. Uh, he had a great game in place of of Michael Penix, and and you know he he got benched at the beginning of this year, and, and I I think he started all of the the previous year, if not if not more. So he's a guy that's that's not someone that's coming off the bench that's never played before. This is a very seasoned veteran that that knows this offense in and out. They're uh,
0: the top passing team of the Big Ten, but they ran the ball well Saturday with Stevie Scott. They, their defense though is where they've always kind of tripped. Right, right. It's, it's always been the the uh, stumbling block for Indiana, and yet this year it appears they've turned the corner there with a uh, you know a defensive minded coach. They're running a four two five defense, and uh, it looks like uh, they've they found something on defense which they've lacked in previous years.
1: Yeah, I think you just mentioned that getting more skilled guys on on the field is is always helpful, you know, with five defensive backs or kind of that rover position. It's it's just helpful, you know, not every team is going to be Iowa or Wisconsin that's going to run the ball down your throat. You have more and more athletes on the field and and good for Indiana. I think that's that's kind of been their th- the thorn in their side for so long. I remember when we played them, we were just like, "All right, you know, we can we can kind of score at will as long as our defense can hold them under 30, we sh- we should be okay." Um and you know they've they've kind of shored that up and it's it's again it, I'm happy for those guys and I know it's a big game for them at night in in, in Memorial Stadium this weekend so I think you know for 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 the Cats it's it's going to be a tough matchup I think they have a ton of momentum it's it's a situation where yeah they might be able to score but can they keep up with a very high octane offense um and the defense is in another position where if they don't hold them you know, under fourteen, it's it's going to be tough to win the way that the Northwestern offense is playing.
0: Well, the other way to look at this though is: is this a good time to play them? They're coming off they yeah, either maybe. have a ton of momentum yeah. or they're coming off a big emotional win on the road. Now they're coming home and, and playing a team that that hasn't
1: won a Big Ten game yet. We'll see. Yeah, I. I maybe i would think that they it's it's a big enough game that they're so hyped up to get that seventh win i and, would think so and and northwestern's kind of had their number for for a long time now um to be able to 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 take care of northwestern in at home at night is probably a pretty big deal for coach allen and those kids um so i would be shocked if they're not ready to play this game i think you heard him say after
0: the game on saturday now we know we're going to a bowl but now we want to see uh, how warm a bowl we can get yeah.
1: to. We <laughs> don't want to end up in Detroit. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. No offense to the... Whatever, no, not at all. Those guys are. Hey, yeah. hey,
0: listen, right now Northwestern would take any bowl game they could get to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I don't it's, think they're going to be picky. No, probably not.
1: they got they got to run the table to get there.
0: All right, so again, uh, 6 o'clock kickoff in Bloomington on Saturday night. You can hear the game on WGN Radio, our pregame starting at 5.30. So we thank you for joining us this week. For Collegiately Speaking, our producer, Curtis Koch. For Dan Persa, I'm Dave Ennett. We'll talk to you again next week, Collegiately Speaking, from WGNRadio.com.